Welcome back to Tiff Talks Podcast. I am so excited, you guys. We had to cut it a little short on the first episode with Tracy O'Malley, the amazing Enneagram expert. And we have a special treat for you with part two. Man, is it juicy. I'm so excited to dive into part two. But before I do, if you guys haven't listened to part one, stop everything you're doing right now. Pause. Go back, listen to part one, so that way part two will make a lot of sense. But hey guys, I don't wanna keep you guys any longer. Listen to part one. I'm excited to dive in. Let's go. Part two with Tracy O'Malley, your Enneagram expert. I love every single bit. I wanna go back a little bit too, because of the fact that, like you said, a lot of corporate, You know, corporate teams will do this or teams in general, network marketing, um, just any space that you're working with a group of people, it's very, very healthy to identify their strengths or weaknesses, understand their personalities. Now, going into that realm, you know, because I, I have done it with, with our team, teams, I should say, and that's where like you don't want to attach them to a number, but you want to understand them as a number. And because you yeah. said... Yeah, you said something in the beginning that you're like, I had a laundry list of this and you, you're telling me to attach myself to a number. <laughs> and, you know, we can become like, like it, it's, it's obsessed with it. If you have a like compulsive, obsessive behavior, you know, and sometimes I can do that. I'll admit it. Um, for example, like now I'm labeled because when I first did this, I was a one. And now I'm like, I'm a perfectionist. That just makes so much sense. But at the same time, I'm also like organized, but disorganized. And I do 200 projects at once. <laughs> That's just how I function. But I'm, I had heard you at one point say that threes are like, and I might be going on a tangent here. Th- threes are like, uh, when you tell them that they hit a goal or they, they make like a rank advancement or something, it's like, it's like a drug and we need you're to hear it. Beast. You're feeding the beast. And that's a part of me too. I feel like if I'm, if I don't have some sort of like, like something that is a rank advancement or a bonus or something to show for my hard work, I'm almost in a sense, like, all right, kind of beating myself up a little bit, but it's, you had said something so powerful that it really hit me. You want to acknowledge the smaller things of how you did that. For example, what did you do for somebody else to help you get that rank? Or what did you do, you know, and acknowledge that part, the compassionate part, and to have you focus on that area and not so maybe egotistical in the area of the three? Well, it's not even egotistical so much as a core wound. Um, Mm. Usually for a three early on, there was the messaging. I mean, a three is born an achiever, and then how it gets expressed, a lot of that has to do with the environment they're put in, plus a childhood belief that we be attached to it. So, you know, I think an achiever is born kind of that way. And then if you have parents that are grade driven, sports driven, appearance driven, you know, that gets expressed like hyperactively. And then whatever belief, you know, back to my story of hearing the day I was born, the belief that I was ingrained in, I was already in eight, already had eight tendencies and hyper like next level eight with that story. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, this is next level leader kind of shit to be able to understand. And I piss a lot of threes off because I won't feed the beast. I won't like, I will praise them because they need it, but not for the thing that will keep them in an unhealthy cycle. I don't want them to continue to move the finish line and not celebrate. I don't want them to continue to move the finish line and leave a pack of path of wreckage and destroy relationships and burn out their bodies and their hearts because they're just all about achieving. But what I will do for a three is praise their energy and their heart. And it pisses them off because they want me to feed the, the cycle. Right. Yeah. But, but if you're a good leader, you're not feeding the thing that keeps them stuck in the dark. Right. Yeah. Same thing with twos. I won't praise them for being so helpful for other people. I actually praise twos. My son is a two. I praise him for going and doing something by himself for himself or speaking up for what he needs because that keeps him in the healthiest form of his Enneagram type. My daughter, she's a seven. I am not going to praise her for her visionary all over the place stuff, even though I love that about her. Yeah. I'm not going to praise that, especially if I know she's teetering on not so healthy But when I see her take time and build a container of quiet and alone time so she can actually operate 
from a genuine place for that visionary spirit, that's a whole nother thing. So you have to understand the framework and the compass that is the Enneagram. This isn't a label. It's just a compass to let you know where you navigate on this soul path for you. And if you don't understand that and you're just like, I'm an eight, fuck you. This is who I am. Like that doesn't help anybody. Like I said, it's not a weapon to say, you know what? I'm an eight, fuck you. Or you're an eight, you're an asshole. Right. Right. And it's also not used to be like as a wall, like this is just who I am. Deal with it. Don't even bother if that's kind of your operating system because it's pointless. If you're willing to use this entire thing as a compass Mm-hmm. to keep you growing all the time and understanding where you go when you're stressed, not to beat yourself up. Yeah. But when I notice I'm in my stress, stress number, I can look at it now because I use this as a compass with so much love and compassion. I very rarely will go into like the internal battle on myself mm-hmm. because if you understand that who's driving this whole thing is a beautiful little child that's inside of you, would you ever beat them up emotionally or physically or verbally? No, of course you wouldn't. Yeah. And if you want that inner child that's running this whole show to trust and, and believe that you've got their back, then you better speak kindly to them. Mm-hmm. And honestly, mamas and dads out there, if you are a parent, the most important child you're ever going to raise is the one inside of you because that is the one dictating the kind of mom or dad you show up as. It's, the, it's dictating the kind of leader you are. And the reason I am hands down, one of the best mothers I've ever met Yes, is because little T comes first. I love that. She does every single day. And when I catch myself and I could cry just thinking about her because at four years old, she was carrying the weight of the world. She was protecting everyone and nobody had her back. Yeah. So why would I beat that beautiful thing up again when she goes into an unhealthy pattern? It's her trying, trying to stay safe. So the only way to keep her really safe and nurtured and loved and confident is to sit her on my lap, so to speak, and say, listen, I know you're scared. I know this is what we used to have to do to stay safe, but we don't have to do this anymore. And I got you and I got us and we're going to do great things with all of this. I'm not one of those that believes everything happens for a reason Mm -hmm. because a lot of really horrible things happen to innocent kids and animals. And I'm not like, I'm not going to say that, but I do believe this, that everything that does happen for whatever reason there is, we can use it to do something very beautiful in this world with, whether it's in our own homes, in our businesses, in our communities, whatever. Yeah. Or we can remain a victim (laughs) to it and stay stuck. And I, you know what, if God calls me home tomorrow, my God, Tiff, honestly, I have used every single hard piece of crap that has ever happened and all the good stuff too for something beautiful in this world. So if I'm called tomorrow, I feel really good about it. Not only that, I have broken the cycles, not just with me, but with my legacy that is following me. And that is the legacy I want to leave. They'll get lots of money too, but like it's, it's the integrity and the character and the confidence and self-love and self-honoring that they, they only have because they've watched me model it and be unwavering in that the last decade. So this is how you use the Enneagram. I love that. I I am crying literally. And, um, the, the, I mean, there was so much in that, you know, I was going to go back to the awareness of, you know, understanding what healthy and unhealthy is and and how we can tap into that. And also identifying our stress number, but I want to talk about this little girl because I started crying. Um, our stories are very similar. And sometimes it's hard to tap into that little girl because it is scary. You know, I was a four-year-old girl by myself with a single mother. That's my story. My mom did the best that she could. I love her for what she was able to do. I have a lot of um, compassion for single mothers. I mean, they're they're always going to have a spot in my heart. And for the longest time, I had anger and resentment around it. And because I we never had a stable home. She was trying to find the, her perfect man. <laughs> and so for me, it was always moving. It was never stable. Um, and then always, you know, and I'm not shaming my mom by any means, but I know she was doing the best that she could and always looking for a father figure for me. And you just unlocked something <laughs> um, that just really hit my heart because I can, I can feel you and, and we relate so much in that area. 
And I just remember nights alone, I would, you know, I'm a self-soother. So this would never happen. I would never cry. And the only reason I was able to cry is because I went to a personal development course. Um, it was called Choice University and it's just strictly EQ for weeks. And then we went into a leadership program for six months after. So when you talk about this little girl inside of you and, and you know, for guys out there as well, there's that little boy inside of you that sometimes we, we don't know how to access or talk to it. And, and really I'm crying because I've done a lot of the work to get to be able to feel this emotion. You know, I had from the age of 16 up raised myself, moved out, you know, and, and figured out the world, you know, I had to teach myself how to become a woman. I, to this day, I've never done a drug, you know, and there's things that I had to learn the hard way. So going back to that little girl, I never got to enjoy that youth you know, and, and I had to, to sometimes be my own mother and, and really identifying how to tap into that little girl. I would really love for you to share with everyone, you know, how, how we can do that and how we can bring that healthy side of us out as well. There are, uh, thank you for being so transparent. <laughs> I know that that's takes a lot of courage and bravery and, um, I feel you and I, I'm a self-soother too not just with the unhealthy stuff, but even in the most beautiful ways. I, and I've just recently in the last few years allowed people to be there for me at 49 years old. So, um, you know, when I realized that little T was driving all of this and I realized that, you know, when we say things like, and, and I want you to know, like when I talk to people, like I have zero judgment towards anyone. I have zero judgment towards my parents. They did do the best they could. They were, they are, and were great people. And we have to be careful when we say that, because a lot of times I want you to imagine that four-year-old version of yourself, especially if you grew up in a hard situation, like I did. And you did where there was neglect. It is what it is. Your mom's still a good person, but you were neglected. You were abandoned emotionally from time to time. And it doesn't make mom a bad person, but we have to be careful when we put that narrative on it, because if you put that beautiful four-year-old next to you and you're saying that shit, you're basically looking at her and saying, your feelings about this do not matter. And when I understood that my parents could have done the best they could, and they did, they are great people. And they didn't give that little girl the container or the space to feel what she needed to feel all her life. And that doesn't make them bad people, but in order for you to really heal, you have to bring that child up on your lap, so to speak, and not, especially the more assertive, aggressive types. Like when I, I want you to kind of picture me and my eightness and my aggressiveness, yeah. you know, everything was about protection and like, I'll be damned if you hurt me because I'll kill you. Right. And so how I pictured this was that beautiful little girl of me. And I keep the picture close by, I showed it to you. And until I could really feel her. This is a really great advice, especially if you have a hard time tapping into it. That picture was the lock screen on my phone for three years because your phone's always with you and we're never triggered sitting at our desk looking at the computer. It's usually when we're out and about and our phone's always with us. So this same picture was a pattern interrupt and it was like a pause button for me before I would go into my eight zone and start like blowing shit up. It's like, okay, little T, what are you really scared about? And so when I pictured how I used to operate as like taking that four-year-old and shoving her behind my back to protect her, although yes, I did protect her temporarily and, you know, we, we dodged a bullet, so to speak. But when you do that to anybody, like you just handle shit for them, what that did is basically leaves little T scared all the time of everything because she didn't see what was coming. She doesn't know what to be afraid of. So she's, so she's afraid of everything. Right. And so by bringing her into the conversation, so that that thing on my phone, when I would feel triggered, even just in my body or emotionally, or then in my mind, you know, I'm a body person first, then my heart, and then my thinking. When I would just tap that lock screen and see that beautiful, beautiful, innocent face, I would just, as though she's standing right next to me, what are you really scared of, little girl? What are you really scared of? I've got us, but tell me what you're afraid of. And the more that you do that, the more that she trusts you and she doesn't have to act out in some of the unhealthier things that we do. 
And when you do act out, you understand that it's really just a beautiful four-year-old that's scared out of her mind. And you're going to speak kindness to her and not beat the shit out of her like she was back however many years ago, emotionally, physically, whatever. And so little Tiani are BFFs. And very rarely does she get triggered anymore because she knows Mama T's got her back all the freaking time because I've proven it through consistency through really hard pain. Like the last two years of my life have been the most painful in my life. And not for one second has she ever felt like mama T doesn't have her back. And so we don't have to go into the unhealthy parts of our eight zone. Yeah. We can use all the gifts and the superpowers of the eight. Um, and that's how this really begins, but you have to be unconditionally committed to bringing that little child in you into the situation at all times. And if I'm out in public and do feel triggered, a lot of times back home in Chicago, where all this started, right? right. Um, a lot of times I'll do what I did as a four-year-old. I will excuse myself, go to the bathroom, sit on the toilet, clothes on all by myself and rock myself. Like I have a four-year-old on my lap. Mm. Tell her It's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. And you can really heal. You don't need anybody else present to do this work. That's the beautiful thing. Because, you know, my dad died a decade ago. I can't have these conversations. And if I was reliant on him being present to heal, I'm fucked. And and my mom is still emotionally neglectful and abandoned. She's, I haven't spoken to her in three years. If I needed her to heal, I'm fucked. The beautiful thing is this is all for you to do. The bad thing is it's all for you. I was just going to say it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> you know what? It's all a gift if you choose to look at it that way. Yes, absolutely. And, and so you re- got to get out of the narrative that they did the best they could. No. They did. And, and I have a lot to grieve over, over innocence lost. Mm-hmm. Having to figure shit out as a four-year-old where most 40-year-olds had to figure shit out. Like you yeah. have to grieve that stuff and not just in mindset. All you mindset junkies, you can make sense of all this. I made sense of all of this as a nine-year-old. I really did. But if we don't bring the grieving part and feel it Mm. with the head part, you're just kicking the can down the street and it's going to keep showing up. Same package, different wrapping paper. I will suggest this. If you haven't watched the movie Inside Out, it's a kid's movie. Um, This one had me in the fetal position crying (laughs) in a good way. I realized, you know, for me, I have no problem going into anger. I feel very comfortable there. It feels very productive, very powerful, all the things. But sadness, I judged as weak. Sadness and pain, I wouldn't go there because it was too unpredictable. I didn't know like that. No, no, no. People could hurt me if I go to sadness. But we have to feel all the feelings. So, you know, understanding things at a mindset level, like if you don't go through the stages of grief for things that should have gone away that they should have or whatever. Like you got to grieve. You got to grieve and feel it in order to get to acceptance, which is where transformation happens. That is the only place transformation happens. This is incredible. (laughs) You know, I think that a lot of the times um, it's, it shows up as a sign of weakness and, and for those Enneagrams out there, like what numbers would you say are in this category when it comes to learning that it's okay to cry. We're actually going to do a podcast, like, like cry, like you mean it, <laughs> because that was a big part of, of how, you know, tip talks came about is age 26. I finally was able to cry mm-hmm. and, and let it out and grieve. And so now I'm just a waterworks. I'm just, so I can feel everyone's energy. I'm very empathic when it comes to, you know, just feeling and, and embracing that. And at times it's very overwhelming because it's not who, how I was raised or brought up, you know? So what, what kind of advice can you give to people to actually be able to, for those of you who are self-soothers or, you know, who think that it's not okay to cry or be vulnerable. And I mean, vulnerability is just, it's gorgeous when you allow it. And is there anything that you can help people with, with being able to tap into that space? Yeah. And I'll say this for all the types, because like my sixth friend, she has no problem going to sadness. She feels very comfortable there because she can kind of isolate and be by herself in that. And she likes that. That gives her certainty, right? Where she has a harder time with 
anger because that's very explosive, unpredictable for the certainty seekers. That might not be a really good thing to be around sometimes, right? So for all types, like if you watch that movie Inside Out, there's going to be one of those emotions that you have a hard time with. And what I will say to you is all of them are required for you to be the healthiest version of yourself, whether it's a mom, a dad, a leader, a man, a woman, the best version of yourself requires all of it. And I, I still don't love sadness, let me tell you. But I do know this, that the only way to heal and to transform, which if you read my bio at the beginning, I'm obsessed with transformation. So in order to really be obsessed with transformation and not just love it, but walk the freaking talk, that meant Tracy had to be sad. But when you bring that little girl or boy into it and she's free to feel, it doesn't stay that long. I'm not in sadness very long. Sometimes it's longer than I would like it to be, but it's still not very long. Same with the anger. My anger now, seconds, if that, if that. But it's only when you bring that little kid into the picture and give him or her freedom to express themselves. Because the only reason you can't express yourself is because you're putting that little child behind you and saying your, your voice doesn't matter. How does that feel? Like when I realized that's what I was doing, I said, not on my motherfucking watch or am I doing that? So that's why she feels all the things today. So if you're okay telling that beautiful child their feelings don't matter, then continue on. Otherwise, learn how to feel. Yes, I love that. Oh, so many nuggets. I'm so excited for everyone to hear this episode. I'm like, how fast can we edit this? <laughs> it's yeah. so good. Oh my goodness. I love that. Thank you so much. Um, you know, I, I really want to go back to, uh, the awareness, healthy versus unhealthy. I think that's very important for, uh, um, you know, businesses, teams, all of that marketing, really understanding when you start going into that unhealthy side, when can we catch that? When can we, cause I know it's like, it's kind of like a, a trigger response. If you think about it, you know, when can we, or what can you say that we can do to be able to be more aware of when we're going to the unhealthy side? Well, this is why it's so important to have your type right. Because if you're working off a map, a roadmap, if you have the wrong coordinates, you're, you're screwing yourself, right? The only reason this works the way it works and as well as it works is if you're typed properly. That's why if you want to know for sure, have a guide, period. Now, once you know your type's accurate and you feel really good about it, whether it's by yourself or with somebody else, each number, this is where the self-awareness of yourself, that's why I, I encourage you not to rush into figuring out your whole team and your family and all that, like know yourself in and out first. And so when I recognized, when I looked at where I went under stress, so an eight goes to the unhealthier part of the five. So all of a sudden I turn into the investigator. And when I see the unhealthy patterns of a five, when I see those behaviors in myself, that's almost like Siri saying, hey lady, you took a wrong turn. You know, when you plug in your GPS coordinates and you're using those apps on your phone to drive, like if you just look at it as like Siri's telling you, you've got off course, are you calling her a bitch? No, of course not. You're saying, thanks Siri, I'll take the next turn here. And so that's how I like use the stress and growth numbers, but you have to be typed properly. So when I start to see my unhealthy five, where I isolate, where I build cases against people so I can kill them basically, or, you know, I start hoarding energy and shutting down. I used to beat myself up for that because I didn't understand. It's so opposite of me. Like what the hell, this strong girl all of a sudden isn't hiding. Really? Yeah. I used to judge myself so harshly. So understanding that's where an eight goes up under stress, I can have compassion because I know it's a little T. She's afraid of something. What are you afraid of? What are you trying to build a case against? What, what, what reinforcements do you need to feel safe? And when you're looking at it like that, it's way easier to, to just take the next turn and get back on your soul path. Now, here's the other part is your growth number. And this is the part that, you know, this is why just saying I'm an eight doesn't serve me. I mean, I'm still, when an eight's the healthiest, it's still great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, think Martin Luther King, right? Healthy eight. But the reason why he was next level great, same with Mother Teresa. Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa, eights. Donald Trump, also an eight. 
Okay, so you see the dynamics, regardless politically what you think, just you see like the behaviors. But the reason Martin Luther King and Mother Teresa are next level great is because not only were they at the highest level of the eight, they really tapped into their growth number. And that's why I am great. This is why I am the best at what I do is because not only am I the healthiest eight I know, but my growth number is the healthy two, which is the helper. And this is where I have to stretch myself because let me tell you, Compassion and empathy does not come natural to me. The more aggressive stuff does. So in, it, like, this is the other beautiful part. If you really want to be the best version of yourself, knowing your growth number when you're typed properly and to keep aiming towards that healthy quality. So the helper is compassion, empathetic, service-driven, care deeply, able to read what other people need, not just for our own protection, but because that's what we feel good at doing. And so where a lot of people sell themselves short is where they're like, this doesn't feel in alignment for an eight. I'm like, well, yeah, bitch, because you're going into your growth number. It's not going to feel like comfortable. Like if you've ever done squats for the first time, that does not feel good at first. You can't get up off the toilet the next day, but it hurts so good. So does your growth number. It's not going to feel good at first. Me leaning into compassion and empathy goes against everything my eight wants to tell me. Mm. But to grow into the best version of me, like Mother Teresa and Martin Luther King, I have to lean into compassion and empathy, even when it doesn't feel in alignment. <laughs> right? That. So like the biggest nugget that I'm getting from knowing your Enneagram is to not actually focus on the number, focus on what your weakness is and capitalize on that is, is what I'm hearing you say big time. Well, your weakness and, and understand with compassion, like why you go there, not to beat the crap out of yourself. Cause that doesn't serve, like you're just beating a child up. So stop it. Right. It's kind of like doing timeline work where you look at your timeline and then you, you kind of come above it and say, okay, yes, this was awful. And trust me, there's definitely things that are just unacceptable, like, like abuse, sexual abuse, any of that, you know, there's just no excuse for it. And it's very difficult to find the compassion and, and whatnot in that. Mm -hmm. I mean, even in situations like that, I've coached a lot of women. Unfortunately, you, you get to maybe step out of that to heal and look at it and say that person was so disgustingly evil and sick, you know, that I have a lot of compassion because of where, where that's all they know, you know, or whatever it is. So I think that was really powerful because really understanding how to step out of your timeline, which is like, when was the first time you didn't experience love? You know, mine was four. It was being left alone. And, or, you know, getting, my mom was tired, for example, spanked me before, um, in the middle of the night and I threw up and I, that wasn't love because <laughs> I was tossing and turning. I used to sleep with my mom. So those are things that you can step out. I'm compassionate for her for, you know, she didn't know what to do in that moment. She was tired. It, and I'm sure a lot of you parents can understand that. I mean, it's, it's definitely a parent, being a parent is a whole nother chapter and job in itself. You know, you're and this is like 20 years ago was my first dive into personal development because my own daughter turned four and it was very triggering because I had so much rage for my own four-year-old daughter who is like a free spirit, seven, beautiful, the most amazing child. And I was filled with rage because little T was inside of me saying, how the hell does this bitch get a life like this? And I had to live the one that I did quite mm -hmm. honestly. And the other thing I want to say about compassion is I am the most compassionate person I know. And for a long time, the reason I had a hard time with it is because that eight in me felt like if I gave people compassion, that got them off the hook. And I have compassion. I mean, when I said the last two years of my life were really hard, I've had some horrible things happen to me. And I have nothing but compassion for every single person involved in that, not because I'm letting them off the hook or making excuses for them. Like they'll have their consequences and their stuff. I may never see it, but yeah. you know, I look at every single human being, even the most vile, even the most vile and try to look for the four-year-old in them and realize that for somebody to do something as horrible as the things that have happened to me too, there has to be a four-year-old in there that is so damn broken. And it doesn't excuse them. It doesn't let anybody off the hook. Trust me, I'm still an eight and can kill a motherfucker. But <laughs> passion will win every time because the compassion that we're able to freely give other people only helps us. Yeah. It doesn't let anybody off the hook. And 
the more that you're able to go into that, the better for you and that little girl or little boy that lives inside of you. And so even when people are salty and assholes, I, I just try to picture what they, I look at them. I'm like, I wonder what they looked like when they were four. Yeah, I really do. And I mean that not in um, passive aggressive kind of tone, but I really, 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 really do. Yeah. Because none of us are born evil. We really aren't. No, no. And that's where you, you go back and that's where you can find the compassion in someone that just, like you said, you know, turns into that based off of how they were, you know, raised or whatever they were, were around and that just reality. Um, I wanted to ask you and absolutely understand if you don't want to share, I'll ask anything. Oh, you had mentioned the last two years, and I just know this is going to be so empowering. You don't have to say names or anything, but what can you share with all of us that did happen in the last two years and how you conquered and overcame all of these things that have happened to you? Because I know that you could move the masses with this story. I just have a feeling it's my intuitive side. <laughs> so I really want to see if there's anything that you can share with us. So that way we can obviously see how the tools go to work. Smart question. This is why it is so important that you do get healthy so you can trust your intuitive voice and ask a hard question. Cause most people wouldn't have had the balls to ask me because mm. it's hard. And the thing is, is if you know who I am and if you've been following me, I have never dropped off the face of the earth in the last two years. I've shown up, not just online as whoever I am, but as a coach, as a mother, as a friend, as, as a person, as a human. Um, two years ago, almost two, it's like 18 months, I would say, has been the hardest. Um, the first thing that happened was my only protector that I had as a child passed away. And he is a, a member of my family. And when I was sexually assaulted when I was 10, he was the one that found me. And he's always taken care of me and always protected me. And I was very special to him. And it was well known that I was kind of his favorite and not everybody in my family really liked that. And so once he died, um, a lot of those family members have been absolutely horrible to me, like horrible. And the, again, I just look at their four-year-old version. I'm like, of course, of course, but they don't know the four-year-old that lived through what I did that this beautiful uncle of mine um, kept safe. And, you know, we, him leaving, I knew he was going and I was okay with that, but I knew the vultures would come out. Losing him wasn't the hard part. I already knew that that was coming. And I have a beautiful relationship with him and his eternal life, but the vultures were coming and they came in hot. And like my own stepmother has disowned me um, for whatever reasons that she has. And that's painful. I mean, she was the only connection I had to my, my dad who passed away a decade ago. Um, you know, disowning my children and being horrible to my children. After that, um, I was assaulted and, um, had to deal with that and had to do what I would have liked to have done when I was 10 and used my voice to speak up about that. And that was really hard. And to explain that to my children and, and to show them what courage looks like when I didn't speak up at 10 and 17, when it happened to me and to navigate that process and relive it over and over and over and over to do the right thing. That was the right thing for me. I'm not saying that everybody needs to speak up for whatever reasons I didn't, but for me to be able to do that today, and still be a coach and still be a, a business owner and to still be a mother. After that, a long lost sister comes out of the woodwork that my dad had had before I was born. And guess what? The same family that has disowned me has loved on her. And little T was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like I had to live through all the hard parts. You get to show up and experience all the beauty. It's not her fault. It's not her fault at all. Um, and then right after that, one of the most influential women in my life dropped dead like that, no warning. And that was just within a four month period in the last 18 months. So I have had to use every tool that I am talking about today. Little T has been on my lap constantly for 18 months, getting so much love, you know, building three businesses, two in the last, you know, three years, um, bringing new exposure to me is not easy. Um, little T is like, you know, we like to fly under the radar here. This is really scary. And having to navigate that. And, you know, when you do something outside of your network marketing company, people say shit 
that's not fun after I have, you know, served so many beautifully, you know, that weren't financially linked to me when I gave my all and traveled over 40 fucking cities in one year, you're going to say shit. Cause I'm building a life that I have worked hard for. Really? You think that's fun? That's painful. Or people questioning my motives. Are you kidding me? Like really painful stuff. And not once have I acted out in aggression, always with love and compassion, always through all those fucking things that I just listed off in the last 18 months. I have never not responded with love and compassion. And it doesn't let any of those fuckers off the hook. No, it doesn't. They, they will get what's coming to them. If that's God's plan, I'm not God. My job is to be the very best me I can be and throwing shade and being an asshole won't serve that. So regardless of who has done some really painful things to me in the last 18 months, I am walking my talk and I have used the framework of the Enneagram to navigate all of it, all of it. That is powerful because like you said, even going back to the beginning of Enneagram, you get to be patient through the process listening to that recent story, it sounds like you really tapped into that side of really being patient, compassionate still when you had girl, it's why I'm the expert. Oh my goodness. Why I'm the expert. I'm telling you uh, that. I mean, and my condolences, you know, I am, I'm definitely, he, he, uh, I'm sure he's, I, we know he's still with you. We know that like you said, eternal life. I'm, I don't know if you've ever, here's the thing. Here's the really cool part of the story. Like even, you know, him passing away literally three weeks later is when the assault happened. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like when it happened, that 10 year old part of me was like overseeing. And my uncle and I could never have the conversation about the incident when I was 10, it was never talked about. Right. And I didn't know why, like I, there was a block around that, but because he had gone to the other side in his eternal life, when this second thing happened three weeks after he passed away, it'll have next level healing. So, you know, I don't know why it happened, obviously, but I do know, again, I've used something so God awful and painful for such big healing, not just for me and little T, but every person I touch, because I do understand how hard this stuff can be, but it's through that experience that greater healing came that without that horrible experience, I don't have this healing that I have today. Yeah. It's, it's what you choose to do with it. And, and I've had to grieve all of it. It's not just like, okay, I'm going to use this for the greatest good. And, and no, I've had to feel all of it, all yeah, of it. That's a lot, but we're all equipped and capable. Yeah. And you know, if some, if no one, and this, this was powerful to me when, you know, this happened to me, I just want to say, I'm sorry on the behalf of all of them, because I know they will never say it to you ever. So I am, I'm, I'm sorry on their behalf and you obviously have so much to give to the world and, you know, we're so blessed to have you here on TIFF Talks. And like you said, I think the hardest part in all of this is allowing God to go to work and be patient with his timing and to know that it's always going to come back. It's always like you get to let go and let God and, and really allow that process to work and, um, is there anything that you want to say on that before I ask you uh, my last few questions? I will say this, girl, you have a very strong intuition and you need to keep trusting it. Mm. Really, really do. The fact that you even just followed up with that, because I'm holding this little note that says divine trust that is on my computer, because it's one thing to trust. Yeah. And if you're like me, I trusted until things didn't go my way and then I would take over. Right. And that's kind of how we play God. Yeah. Right. Like even you saying, sorry for those people, that's beautiful. And I appreciate that. But I believe that even those experiences for those people, they can use it for something beautiful. They don't have to say sorry to me. Yeah. They don't. You know, but the, the real faith comes in divinely trusting. That's why like, I don't need their sorries. I don't need anybody to apologize for them because I divinely trust that God will use that for something beautiful, not just through me, but through them if they choose to honor that. So divinely trusting is a whole different level than just trusting. And when you can fully surrender to the expectation of what things look like and how it goes, um, that's when the real magic can happen. Now I am very intuitive too. I very clearly see, like as a nine-year-old, I knew I would be doing this. 
not Enneagram, but like this kind of work. And if I had been attached to how that looked, which I kind of was, because I was like uh, causing wreckage everywhere I went. But once I surrendered a decade ago, like God used me, all that stuff. And I have no attachment to how it looks. Mm-hmm. I have no attachment to how it looks. Definitely wouldn't have picked network marketing. I was like, are you kidding me? That's not what I meant, God, but okay, here it is. Like, seriously, that was the conversation. I was like, really? This? I have no social network. I'm the single mom that went to rehab. Really build a business with me? Okay. Two years later, I'm a millionaire. Okay. That's divine trust. Yeah. Same thing with my children. Divinely trusting that I have made amends, not just through my words, but the way that I live so that I can break the cycles. I had to divinely trust that just walking my talk moving forward, even at the ages of 14 and 15, that I didn't do enough damage. And and even the damage that I did do, they have used for something beautiful because they have chosen that because they've watched me do it. Your children are beautiful, by the way. You can tell, they are are so different, (laughs) so different. You can just tell from Instagram. And if you, like, if you listen to my podcast at all, I interview both of them individually. Like they could not be more different. And their experience of me is very different. Yeah. I love that. Cause it's like going back to God and I'm, I'm grateful we get to have this conversation. Um, cause I'm very open about my faith. Uh, we are sent, like you said, your children are completely different because they are gifts to you <laughs> in what we get to learn moving forward. And you look at those little, those little things. Cause yeah, it's, it's super special. And I just, I've seen what you've done and it's, it's incredible. Well, like with Casey, she's the seven and she's this free spirit that like, she taught me how to play and to like, think anything's possible where the little girl in me is like, no, nothing's possible unless I'm controlling it. Right. So she gave me that gift. And then, you know, having a very sensitive, empathetic, very strong man that I've raised, like I can see that a sensitive, strong man does exist. A man that can feel emotions and express emotions and be the strong, he is the strongest man I know. And he's 23 freaking years old and he's my kid like that. Cause I only had very aggressive men in my life. Yeah. They were amazing and they were beautiful. They were very protective of me, but they didn't give me a safe place to be emotional. Mm-hmm. Son has shown me that that is strength. That is what strong men can do. And, um, the fact that I'm raising one, is awesome. Really cool. Yeah. And just, Amazing. Chills. <laughs> I'm like, chills. I love that. So I'm going to go, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions uh, off topic. Hey, I know. I like these. <laughs> yeah. Me too. So we're going to go into what is Tracy's biggest fear? Hmm. Vulnerability. Um, being in love. Mm-hmm. It's the most vulnerable thing that I can do. And I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't date for seven years after rehab. Yeah. That's a huge, it's not because I was busy building an empire. There was a lot of like, I don't want to repeat the past. Um, so this last year, allowing myself to feel that is the scariest freaking thing I've ever done. And I'm, I'm doing it, but it's scary every day. Every day I'm like, fuck this. I don't want to do it. Yeah. But every day I lean into, I deserve to be loved. Yeah, absolutely. I think Very vulnerable. Our- everything. Mm -hmm. What, because we have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen, listen in. Um, and a lot of the times they don't understand the roller coaster of an entrepreneur. What would you say is the hardest part of entrepreneurship? And then also what tool can you give everyone in staying the course? Um, you know, I think that a lot of times, entrepreneurship is so glorified. It's like the Bali and butterflies shit. And although there is that element of choice and freedom that can come with resilience and tenacity, mm-hmm. um, you have to be in it for the long haul. You like, they're really, it doesn't go to sleep. Um, it isn't for everyone. If you aren't willing to show up every day, even when you've been assaulted and all the things I showed up every single day, even through all of that, not because I have this like God complex, but because I am a business owner and people do depend on me and, Mm. and the people that look up to me and that I guide, whether it's my children or clients, 
Like they will do what I do, not what I say to do. So even through pain, we can still show up. doesn't mean I'm showing up like on stages in front of 20,000 people during that. No, but I still show up every day in some form passionate about what I'm here to do. And if, if you can't wake up every day, even through the hard things, whether it's in your business or personal life, like then don't do it. Yeah. Really? Cause you're going to end up like beating yourself up and letting people down. And I know that's probably not the answer you want, but this is not for the faint of heart. It is a roller coaster ride. You've heard the last 10 years of my life, although there's a lot of glory. You, you don't know, you don't know the glory without the story behind it. And behind every success, there is a lot of crap that happened that they kept showing up no matter what. Yeah. But it, it doesn't mean we bypass feelings. I will say that a lot of times entrepreneurship will just power through, power through, power through and not take time to celebrate, feel the pain. Like again, going back to inside out, you got to feel all the things, Yeah, feel all the things and keep, you know, no matter how much you get your ass kicked, just get back up. Yes. I love that. And it's, it goes back to before glory, there's going to be all of the guts. So you get to embrace the guts before the glory. And this is where you see your true strength and your never give up mentality. And nobody can take that from you. Yeah. And it's so empowering and I love it. And I think that a lot of people tend to give up before they're even tapping into what they get to experience on the other side. You know what I I did the other day? this is a really good thing. And this is like the Enneagram has helped me do this. Like knowing when I'm kind of irritable, like, cause I've let little T play so much, you know, in the last decade that when I'm in work mode, which I love what I do, I could literally do it all day long. But when I'm in work mode, I'm not playing enough. And she's like, Hey lady, yo, we need to play. So I had cleared out my day on Wednesday and I went snowboarding all by myself and I loved it. And I've been, I didn't start snowboarding till I was 40. And I'm an athlete, but I could not get the shredding and carving thing because of all sorts of reasons. So for nine years, I've been terrible, but I show up and I kept getting back on the board. And even though I'd fall and crash and hurt and all the things, I still kept showing up every day. And this last week I went all by myself. I'm like, I'm going to get it today. And nine years in the making, I did it. And I was so like, seriously, it was the happy, one of the happiest moments of my life because I stuck with something nine years, no matter how terrible I was, how willing are you to be terrible at something that you're passionate about? And if being an entrepreneur or a business owner or whatever service or product you provide, if you're passionate about it, are you going to let falling down a mountain nine, nine years in a row, stop you? <laughs> like, no, you got to Like, don't quit before the miracle happens. Oh my gosh. Well. This is so, this is literally like, it's not scary. I'm just like, we're so connected. You and I are so connected. I, I posted about that. And I think you just recently posted about it. I even said I was going to play hooky and I put like Bernie Sanders in the back of like a truck. <laughs> yeah. And he was just sitting there with his mittens, <laughs> but I was going to go play hooky and go snowboarding because I wanted to get better. So here's what happened. Very long story short. I finally have been really doing diligent of carving. And I was like, great. I got it. And then I went with my husband the following weekend. He thought I graduated. Well, I did graduate. I'm doing incredible now. And I didn't give up and it, you know, just run after run. Yeah. Just like it's hard. You. It's freaking hard. So, and I'm like, I got this. And then he took me to a new terrain. And then he, I said, I didn't really like it because it was a little too flat and he would stop, you know, when your board starts to stop. Right. And I was like, I was carving. But then when I looked down, it was like falling to my death. I was like, I don't know if I'm, you know, ready to be on corners like this right now. I need to be on an open mountain. Yeah. So he goes, well, why don't you come with me on this next one? And I sent the video to everyone. I should still upload it. I'm still kind of embarrassed about it, but it was a thousand feet straight down in fresh powder. And I'm like, I, I can do this. Uh, I was ready. I had to have a drink because I was terrified at the same time. And um, I start going down. And I'm like, this is great. First fall, boom, done. Okay oh, wait, I can't get up. It's in 10, 10 feet of snow and I'm five, two. Right. <laughs> so halfway down, I, I mean, I was skidding like, and my husband's just laughing at me and I'm getting more and more of that anger. Right. Yeah. And I'm now it's coming out of my eyeballs. I'm crying. I'm crying on a mountain from snowboarding. That's never happened except for breaking my tailbone the first time. But other than that, why am I crying in the middle of a mountain right now? <laughs> 
get up, start going back down. And then it gets to a point where I start to have to pack down the snow. Right. It's so deep. And he's just laughing. And I'm like, you're a genius. You're an absolute genius. And he's like, videoing me now and I'm like why are you videoing me this is not with my big helmet like everything (laughs) and I'm packing down the snow and he's making fun of me he's like look at Tiff in the sandbox and I'm (laughs) and then I'm falling down again and then I just got so tired and I'm laying there and and he goes as I'm laying there he goes oh look now she's making snow angels and I'm just getting more and more upset then I had to pee on top of it 30 minutes later after that, granted, this took an entire hour to get down that mountain. And he didn't help me. I think he helped me once because it was so bad, but he didn't help me get down. He didn't pack me down or anything. And I got down and I'm like, what in the F was that? Like, I just screamed it. I go, and he goes, I'm so proud of you. And I looked at him and I, I was like, there's no more fun left in me. I can't use my legs anymore. I'm done. This is the second run. Mm. And you didn't get up. You didn't give up. You, you went down the mountain. Yeah. And that was a huge lesson for me. You guys, you just keep showing up. And if it's something like if, if you being an entrepreneur is everything you want, then there's no giving up. Yeah. No giving up. No matter how much you get your ass kicked, your day is going to freaking hurt and you're gonna be frustrated and mad and sad. And and people are going to say shit and like, really, how bad do you want it? Yeah. How bad do you want it? When people say shit, by the way, it drives me. Um, I like I like to prove a point to a fault and I get to work on that, but it's it's almost like, watch me. I'm going to accomplish this. And it, it fuels my fire. There's nothing better than feeling your own fire with proving yourself that you can do something because you didn't give up. Yeah, it's like, all right, <laughs> grab, grab the popcorn. It's going to be fun to go. Yeah. Last question. What is one thing that nobody knows about you? Hmm. I'm a pretty open book. Um, that nobody knows I mean, about it can me. be weird. It could be anything. Oh, you know what? I have a secret desire. I'm not a good dancer. However, before I die, I will take Irish dancing lessons, you know, like the little cloggers. Like the flowing of the feet. Yeah, I, I literally, I get goosebumps up and down my body watching them dance. It's, and because of the Irish music, cause it's my heritage and I'm, yeah. you know, um, that is something I've always desired to do and probably should do it before I get too old. Although yeah. you know, I'm still almost 50 going down a mountain on a snowboard. So, but that's on my list. And I think I've only told one or two people, but most people wouldn't know. Um, Because the only way I used to dance before was with some margaritas. And since I retired, that that doesn't happen too much. But that's I would really love to do. I love that. You guys, what an epic episode. I am so excited. I know I will have you back. I'm sure we're going to have lots of questions to ask you. Maybe we can do like a part two and three later uh, down the road. But Tracy, it was an absolute honor to have you on. And I am just so grateful for your heart, your straightforwardness you know, your integrity, um, and, and your vulnerability. The honor is all mine. Thank you for having me. You know, and I want to acknowledge you for, for being that light for us today. So thank you so much. You guys, this is, uh, this is Tiff Talks and I cannot, not wait to see what you guys say about this amazing episode. We'll see you soon. Yeah.